In today's show, we're going to look back at the nine games for Wednesday in the NBA. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Now, before I get into talking about the games from Wednesday, some news about the Washington Wizards who have obviously had a ton of games postponed due to COVID. They have a ton of players out who are going to be missing the next four games. Denny Avdia, Rui Hachimura, among them Troy Brown Jr., Ish Smith is going to be missing time. Davis Bertans. Um, they are trying to get the NBA to postpone their game on Friday against the Bucks, but they will. Be, at this point, they're without Smith, Brown, Wagner, uh, Avdia, Bertans, Hachimura, and then Russ Westbrook's dealing with his issue with his quad. So they're going to have available Brad Beal, Robin Lopez, Hal Neto, Isaac Bonga, Jerome Robinson, Garrison Matthews, Anthony Gill, and Cassius Winston. They're the eight players they'll have available. So if you're looking for options with four games on a Friday, Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday coming up, they are going to have big minutes. So Robin Lopez we add. We add Hull Neto, assuming Westbrook can be out. You look at Jerome Robinson, you look at Garrison Matthews, look at Anthony Gill even. There are a ton of options that you're going to have as potential ads on that Wizards team. So I thought it was important to get that information out now before we start talking about the games from Wednesday. Let's start with those games from Wednesday. Now, the first one of those was the Dallas Mavericks beating the Pacers on the road. 124-112. Christoph Porzingis. Porzingis. Man, he's been awesome. 27-13 and 13 with a block, 80% shooting, not sitting out back-to-backs. He's going to be great. And if you weathered that, it wasn't even a storm. You know what? Three and a half weeks, four weeks that he didn't play to begin the year. Uh, returning really, really quickly and back into it straight away. It's been awesome. Luka Doncic struggled a bit. He was grabbing at his knee in this one. Had to have some time in the locker room, but yeah, came back out, finished the game. That is... Um that's something to pay attention to. 13, 12, and 12 for Doncic on some pretty poor shooting, but with, with a block. Hardaway had 19, which is great considering he was 0 of 12 last game. And then Jalen Brunson had 19 too in the starting lineup. And Trey Burke chipped in 22 off the bench. But remember, there was no Dorian Finney-Smith or Josh Richardson who are going to take those minutes away from Brunson and Burke in particular. Willie Cauley-Stein playing only 19 minutes without Kleber and without Powell is a bad sign. He's a 12-team drop to me, while uh, Josh Green started at power forward and played 23 minutes, but he'll likely go back to being out of the rotation once uh, all of these players return. They've been out a long time, and hopefully they'll be back uh, coming up pretty soon. For the Pacers, Doug McDermott got another start with Miles Turner out. Played 34 minutes and had 16 and 8, but the efficiency from last game wasn't there. He still can be a short-term points-type streamer, but not much more than that. While Jeremy Lamb, interestingly here for Lamb, started out on fire. People were absolutely frothing it. Jeremy Lamb, what a pickup. Amazing. 4 of 4 from the field, and then he ended with 10 points on 4 of 8 from the field and played 19 minutes, despite allegedly, according to Nate Bjorkman, having no minutes restriction and he has no back-to-back restriction, but played only 19 minutes. That is a concern. Now, Levert and Warren are going to be out long-term, so Lamb does have that opportunity. 
Um, if you want to add him, fine. I just don't think his upside is particularly high this season. They're going to have Aaron Holiday, who played better than him here. Justin Holiday, who played better than him here as well. Edmund Sumner's in that mix. And while Lamb can be better than those guys, uh, it's no guarantee that he will be. Um, again, fine if you want to go and add him. I just don't think the upside's particularly huge. Malcolm Brogdon had 26 with five assists and a steal, and Sabonis had 25, 10, and four, and of course was just horrendous with his free throws. Four of nine. He is a real, real issue there. TJ McConnell, one of the best assists and steals streamers. Six dimes, two steals, 21 minutes. That's what he provides, and he did it again. While pretty critical here of Nate Bjorkman not playing Goga Badadze without Miles Turner. Oh, someone asked for this. Problem with my Gogomobile. Gogomobile? No, not the dark. Not the dark. The Dart, Goga Badadze, um, this is the time to play him with no Miles Turner. And the fact that you don't and you go to seven minutes of Jakar Sampson is pretty poor. And Bjorken sort of acknowledged that at the end, saying he should have played uh, uh, Badadze more. Now, he's not going to have an impact really in any sort of scenario. And he's not really going to play alongside um, uh, alongside DeMontis Sabonis. But that is curious. Now, just as I've recorded this and talked about the Wizards, it has come out that the Wizards have postponed. That Wizards-Bucks game on Friday has been postponed. So those ads with all those Wizards guys, you might not even get any value out of them. So that is, uh, yeah, that that's the news that I, as I'm recording this, that news has just um, has just come out regarding that postponement. It doesn't mean that all of their games on this road trip will be postponed, but you would have to imagine that there is a chance that they're going to be missing more games moving forward. All right, let's move on now to the second game of the day. And what a game this was. Double overtime. The Cavs beat the Brooklyn Nets. Amazing. 147-135. 50 minutes for Kevin Durant. 38-12-8. Big numbers. Four blocks. 51 minutes for Jimmy Harden, who ended up with a 21-10-12 and triple-double and two steals. But Harden, 18.6% usage. Now, he was obviously focusing in on being a point guard, had zero shot attempts and zero free throws in the first quarter. Uh, how this all figures out, we, we still don't have clear answers. While Kyrie had 37 in 48 minutes on a usage of 31%. So Kyrie was the guy with the highest usage, but we saw Irving's assist numbers drop way down to three. He also blocked three shots, so it's hard to get you know, overly wrapped up in, in what's going on with those guys. But uh, yeah, some, some concerns about what Harden does there, but I don't think it'll be like this every game. Jeff Green, 45 minutes. My name is Jeff. 30... Sorry, uh, 16 points, four triples, seven rebounds, a steal, a block, getting a ton of minutes, playing backup center. Now, I wouldn't say the backup center minutes went particularly well for Green as the Cavs get the victory here. But the fact that they played a double overtime and DeAndre Jordan had one or had 2,000 played 24 minutes is absolutely worrying for his value. It's been all over the shop. They don't even have another center, and he played 24 minutes. We've got 11 minutes of Reggie Perry, if you want to count him as a center. I'm still holding Jordan, but it could get rough. Green is a 14-team league at, and I don't mind him in a 12-teamer uh, there. While the other bench guys, Luaiwu Cabra and Bruce Brown, not much to say. Joe Harris did come off the bench. Six points in 42 minutes. He was two of 10, but usage comically low. 10% usage. Green had 11% usage. That's going to be the problem, I guess, with playing alongside Durant, Harden, and Irving. For the Cavs, let's give a moment for Colin Sexton, who was brilliant. 38 minutes in his return from his ankle problem. 42 points, five threes, five rebounds, five assists, two steals, and a block. I've been pretty critical of Sexton in the past of being a guy who scores and scores well. I haven't been critical of that because he does that well. But what else is he doing? Well, he brought it here with two steals and a block. He hit five threes. His three-point volume has been low. Uh, He had five assists. He had five rebounds. It's all absolutely awesome. He's now the 29th ranked player this season. 
um, just doing things and taking over in this game. Like, absolutely fantastic stuff. But I'm probably more excited just to see him do a few other things and to hit those threes and hit them at volume and to get those assists, which have been really the thing that holds him back from having elite fantasy value. I think that, you know, maybe getting to the top 50 this year or staying there is is the goal. Uh, you know, he has to bring those other things up consistently at a high level to get even higher than that. But this was brilliant. It was also brilliant to see 50 minutes from Chetty Osman. 25 points, 7 rebounds, and 7 assists. He's been used as a playmaker a lot. I do think that the return of Darius Garland will have an impact on him because it pushes Sexton across to the two, and then it pushes other guys and ball handling responsibilities to other players like Garland. But he's been really solid over these last couple of games. He's a top 140 player over the season. I just don't think I can find 30 minutes a game for Osman as we move forward. How about the center position? That's what everyone wants to hear about. The big avocado, Andre Drummond, played only 26 minutes. He did not foul out. He was not in foul trouble, nor was he injured. He was just not as good as the other player behind him. 13-7 and seven for Drummond with three assists and a steal on 46% shooting. He hit his only free throw. Um, I talked about it yesterday that he was a massive sell high, and after that 33-20 and 20 game, you had to try and strike while the iron was hot. The iron is as cold as a bucket of old piss at the moment. And you're not going to be able to to sell height. But what I would do, though, I would be really careful about trading him at this point because there is a possibility that there was um, the, a, a matchup scenario here that they played Allen a little bit more, or there's a possibility that Drummond gets traded. I don't see what team, and we have to remember this with Drummond, though, that I don't see what team is trading for him to play big minutes. Remember what the Cavs paid to get him last year. It was nothing. Brandon Knight in a second-round pick, pretty much. Brandon Knight, do you know who he plays for now? Nobody. That The Pistons have said, can you just take this guy? Look, we don't want him. That was the interest in him at the trade deadline last year. So who is coming out and saying, can you please give us Andre Drummond? Maybe someone does. I'm not sure. You have to hold him at this point. I also don't think you need to overreact too much about Jared Allen. He was great. He was great. And he is the better player than Andre Drummond, as I've said multiple times. If they play... The same amount of minutes. Drummond is the better fantasy option. But 12 and 11 with four blocks for Allen. He looked great out there. Will he come in and start and play 28 minutes to Drummond's 20? I'm not convinced that's going to be the case. I think it might still be like 26 Drummond, 22 Allen, which is basically what it was at the end of regulation. And then Allen played all of overtime because he is, as I said, the better player. But I think we need to be careful of overvaluing what Allen did here and undervaluing Drummond. Larry Nance had four steals to go with 15, 8, and 5. He remains a real sell high. While Okoro is playing some good defense, he just doesn't do anything in the box score. Eight points, two triples, two assists, and a steal for Isaac here in this one. All right, on to the next game now. Um, Let's take a look at that one. It is, actually, before we do that, I've got to tell you about the good people at rockauto.com. Because you go to a local auto store, it can be pretty hard to go in there and find the part that you need. There are just so many makes and models of cars. It's impossible for these traditional storefronts to stock everything that you need. You have a computer. You have access to rockauto.com. So you can get these products just with the phone that's sitting in your pocket. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands and specifications and the prices you prefer because that's because those prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in there. How did you hear about 
about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, let's go to the next one now, and that is the Philadelphia 76ers and the Boston Celtics. The Sixers win at 117-109. They started Tristan Thompson again, but it was Daniel Tice who was by far the best center in this game. 27 minutes, 23-10 and 10 on 91% shooting, really clicking with Kemba Walker, while Thompson had two points and nine boards. Now, Thompson has no business being rostered in a 12-team league. Tice is a 14-team league player, but with those two playing exclusively at center, there's no minutes for the Rock DJ, and this is something that I talked about. We might think that he is the higher upside player because that's obvious, obviously what he is. And there's players in Boston or people are talking that, yeah, he is the best center on this team. But when push comes to shove, in terms of getting wins, if Brad Stevens doesn't believe that, he's just not going to give him those minutes. And that's exactly what we saw. And when Kemba came back, him getting enough minutes to be relevant was always going to be the challenge. Williams is rostered in a ton of 12-team leagues, and I think we can drop him. Now, do we add Tice? Probably not yet, but I'd like to see where that goes. It was great from Kemba as well to play 22 minutes, but more importantly, score 19 points. He did it on 15 shots, so his field goal percentage is a bit wonky. Uh, he had six assists and five threes. It's some really good value there. We do have to remember that the 37% usage he had is because, or you know, in large part, because Jason Tatum wasn't playing. Uh, I still have worries about how long it's going to take Kemba to get back to full minutes and then what it looks like when he does get back there. He won't have this usage or even be that successful in shooting 55% from three that he was here. Marcus Smart, the free throws are rough from him. At 25, 4, and 4 with the steal, a lot of people were wanting to drop Smart because they thought that his value was all disappearing when Kemba Walker came back. So it's good to see him putting up uh, those numbers here with, um, uh, with, uh, with, with Kemba playing. So that, that, I think that's pretty encouraging from a Marcus Smart perspective. Peyton Pritchard got the backup minutes over Jeff Teague. Now, Teague started the second half as they try to preserve Kemba's minutes, but I can see Teague being out of this rotation as the season goes on. Well, Jalen Brown, better, better talk about him. JB, you've done it again. 26 points. Now, the efficiency, which has been really driving Brown's uh, emergence, fell off here. True shooting of under 49%. Three assists, no steals, no blocks. This is, I guess, the worry I had with him with regression is that what if the shooting doesn't stick? What if the high assists and the defensive numbers fall off a bit? And that usage at 39% is absolutely massive. That's one to watch as everyone gets healthy on this team. For the Sixers, Joel Embiid. Wow, uh, 17 of 21 from the line, 42 and 10 overall, two steals, a block, 63%. He is the sixth-ranked player on a per-game basis, while the thick hogsman, Tobias Harris. Um, I think I am a TH. T to the H. Yeah, TH for life. Uh, another good game from Tobias, 22 points, two steals, five assists, continuing to play really solid basketball. Another disappointing night from Ben Simmons. Now, at least he was 7 of 10 from the line, but 11, 8, and 8 is not great. While Shake Milton, I talked about Shake a lot, saying that his shooting percentages are going to come down. And you know, I've been really impressed with the improvement in his assists and steals. But this is the worry that I had with Shake. He had 16 points, but 40% shooting, one rebound, one assist, and one steal. Still holding on to him, but no Seth Curry here. He remains a sell high to me. Well, Tyrese Maxey still rostered in far too many leagues. Clear drop. Zero points in 21 minutes for Maxey. Well, Dan Green had 12 points with four threes and six rebounds. Let's go now on to the next game. It is, who is it? It is the Miami Heat and the Toronto Raptors. The Heat win it on the road, but not that far up the road. 111-102. Kendrick Nunn, 35 minutes, 28 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists, 1 steal, 75% shooting. Is Nunn back? I don't know. Some pretty good performances the last two games, but no Butler, no Hero, no Bradley. 
Those guys are all going to come back and take some of this playing time away from Kendrick Nunn. So while you can be a short-term ad, I would add, and then I would try and sell high on someone who yeah, buys into him being the second-place rookie of the year guy. And to be fair to him, he played really well here. Just getting the opportunity is going to be tough. Olenek had 15, 8, and 8. I think he's a must-roster, while Duncan Robinson, he had 14 points, and Goran Dragic had 17, 4, and 5. In a start, Gabe Vincent also started and had three points in 28 minutes. The Gabe Vincent bubble has definitely burst. Interestingly, Mo Harkless started the second half over Casey Okpala last game, who started the first half, and then both guys didn't play at all in this one. Very, very interesting stuff. Uh, Harkless, of course, has no fantasy value, nor does Okpala at this point for the Raptors. Rough night from Chris Boucher. The wiki played only 23 minutes. He had eight points. He didn't have foul trouble, just two threes. He just wasn't playing very well. And they limited his minutes. There are a lot of people worried about Boucher in that the Raptors cut Alex Lenz. So are they trading for Andre Drummond? Are they getting another center? Is Boucher's minutes going to disappear? Now, he might cut down a little bit in his playing time. That, that, that's a possibility. But I'm not worried too much. This was just a bad night. Siakam had 18 and 6. The Jedi, Oji Ananobi, he had 18 points. But what about Scarf? OG. Balenciaga stop, ones. OG. Uh, you better stop, OG. Four threes and seven boards, and Van Vliet had 24, 5, and 9, while Terrence Davis. Predicting the Raptors' bench is impossible. 24 minutes for Davis, 16 points, four threes, a steal, one block. He might not even play next game. That's how up and down they are. He might get suspended. He might go to jail and not be able to play this year. Like, I'm not adding him anywhere, really, outside of 30-team leagues. While Norman Powell had seven points in 19 minutes, and he has been an absolute fart in a bottle this season. Horrendous stuff majority of the time. You can do better just by streaming in that roster spot rather than... um, uh, rather than you know, holding on to him under every circumstance. I, d- I just don't see that as being a necessity there for Storm and Norman Powell. Guys, the NFL, the playoffs, the NBA, we're flying along. There's lots of sports going on at the moment, and there's only one place that has you covered where you can put your sporting knowledge to the test, and only one place that we trust, and that is betonline.ag. You can sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag, and if you use the promo code LOCKEDON, you can get a 50% welcome bonus. Awesome stuff. Tomorrow, betonline.ag has got the Utah Jazz six and a half point favorites. Now, these two teams, the Jazz and the Pelicans, they met up yesterday, Wednesday, and the Jazz won that by double digits. So the six and a half point spread, do you think that the Jazz can do it again in a big one? If you were, if you do think that, or if you think that the Pelicans can keep it close, you can go and not sit on the sidelines anymore. You can get in on that action. And don't forget, if you use the promo code locked on, you'll receive 50% uh, as a welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline is your online sportsbook experts. Let us go on to the next game now. We're looking at the Detroit Pistons and the Atlanta Hawks. The Pistons uh, take the Hawks to overtime but lose 123-115. Another big game from Jeremy Grant, 32-6-5. Well, Blake Griffin looked alive, 17-7-4. I would use this as an opportunity to try and sell him in a package with someone, whatever. Whatever I can do, I'd use this to sell. Well, DeLon Wright, comically low usage, but the three steals are nice. The four assists are pretty good. He's more of a streamer to me than a must-roster 12-teamer. And if you're looking for streams, if you're looking for threes, the Duke, Wayne Ellington, another four triples. That's 11 threes in his last two games, 16 points. He clearly, at this point, has the starting shooting guard job. For what reason, I don't know, but he clearly has it. And he's giving you threes in big bunches. Derek Rose had 14 points. He's okay, especially in a points league. While Plumlee had 27 minutes for 10 and 9. Not his best performance. Josh Jackson, he's terrible now, apparently. Well, not apparently, because he's always been terrible. But he had that nice little run. Seven points in 20 minutes, while Sadiq Bay basically out of the rotation. Zero points in eight minutes for Sadiq. For the Hawks, Trey Young, is he back? Maybe. 38 points, 10 assists. 
19 free throw attempts. Unfortunately, he only hit 13 of those, but this is more like the Trey Young that we expected. Let's hope he can push back and be a top 20 player. While Clint Capella, remember when this bloke was missing games in the preseason because he had a sore Achilles and there was with his sore heel and he went, oh shit, like what is going on here? Um, it's obviously yeah a, a rough scenario for Capella. And then he comes out and has 27 and 26 in 39 minutes with five blocks. Five, look, that is an absolute monster. He is killing it. And it was also great to see 43 minutes from the Baptist John Collins, 31 and 10 with a triple one, 27 usage. But we do have to remember that Hunter, Gallinari, Reddish, Bogdanovich, and Dunn are all out here. So they, they might not play the same position, but there's minutes and there's usage that has to go around. So a bit of a, a sell-high moment for John Collins, I think, and maybe even a sell-high for Clint Capella, who's on an absolute roll. Solomon Hill started, played 40 minutes and had six points. He's not really worth anything. While Tony Snell did a Tony Snell and had zero points on four shots. And Fanta Pants, Kevin Hurd, a 17-5-4. Another sell-high opportunity with all those absences. He took a pretty decent advantage of it here. It wasn't his best game, but it also wasn't bad, of course. The next game we take a look at what a low scorer this one is. The Orlando Magic and the Minnesota Timberwolves. Aaron Gordon, point Aaron Gordon. Seven assists to go with 13 points in 36 minutes. Four blocks and a steal. Now his field goal percentage is pretty rough, but he is dishing at a pretty high level. Nick Vucevic's big season continues, 28-8 with two blocks. And Cole Anthony, 28 minutes, not bad. 13 points, 3-3, seven rebounds, but it came on 71% shooting with a 12% usage. So there is some concern there that that level won't be maintained. Probably more of a streamer than a must roster now that we've seen him in action as a starter. Dwayne Bacon went to the bench and James Ennis started. Four points for Bacon, five for Ennis. Now, just because Ennis starts over Bacon doesn't mean that we need to roster him, but at least in terms of winning basketball, that's the right move. Well, it was good to see Evan Fournier back. 37% usage in his return, 24 points, a must roster player. It was a turd of a night from Terrence Ross, eight points in his 24 minutes. For the Wolves, they started Jared Vanderbilt again. He did get into foul trouble and ended with only 18 minutes for four points in a triple one. I don't mind holding him as a short-term guy, but it was Jaden McDaniels who really stepped up and closed the game. 12 and 8, two threes, three blocks, one steal. I'm not overreacting to this for McDaniels, and I'm not going and adding him based on this, but it was intriguing to see. Solid night from Reed as well, 12, 14 points with three blocks, while Kogi finally got his first steal, had 11 points in 25 minutes. I tell you who's not good the Wolves' top pick in each of the last two drafts. Jarrett Culver had seven points in 15 minutes, and Anthony Edwards had eight points in 14 shot attempts in 23 minutes. Neither of those should be anywhere near a 12-team league or probably even a 14-team league at this point. They are just not good basketball players at this point in their career. Malik Beasley had 13-7-5 in 34 minutes. A solid enough night for Beasley, but he has cooled off a little bit after a really, really hot streak that he was providing us not that long ago. Let's go on to the next game of the night. The Phoenix Suns get the win against the Houston Rockets, 109-103. DeAndre Ayton, another monster, 26-17 and 17 with five blocks. It did come on 73% shooting, but I'm more encouraged by the 22% usage, which had been well, well down. And it's good to see Devin Booker back into it as well, 24-5-2. Now, the assists look like they're going to remain comically low for Booker, which is frustrating, but the efficiency is coming back while Chris Paul had 13 points in a triple one. Cameron Johnson got the bulk of the minutes as a starter, eight points with two steals and two threes, while Crowder played just 26 minutes. And if I can find the button, I'll hit it, I'll hit it, I'll hit it. Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. There you go. Crowder, 11 points with two threes in 26 minutes. Johnson's an interesting 12-team stream. Not much more than that. While McCall Bridges, his usage has disappeared, but he still had five assists. He still had a triple one. He still had five rebounds. Some pretty solid numbers overall there. For the Rockets, Christian Woods twisted his ankle. It looked pretty bad. 
But he returned. He played 34 minutes. He had 20 and 11 with a Richie Benno. Two for two, two, two. Two steals, two blocks, two triples. His free throws are weirdly down at the moment. I'm not sure why that is. Just two of three from the line. While Victor Oladipo had 22, five and six with three steals. And Eric Gordon had 22 points. Remember, John Wall does have to come back. But Wall and House are going to miss at least the next three games. Um, Sorry, two after this one. So that's worth monitoring when you're looking at Gordon and Oladipo as short-term guys. Jay Sean Tate made it. uh, Yeah, they're short-term value. They're obviously, yeah, Oladipo is obviously must roster. Gordon, I'm not sure about. Jay Sean Tate started, had nine points in 37 minutes minutes. Well, interestingly, they did not play PJ Tucker at all. 21 minutes, they started him. He just didn't play. He didn't close the game down the stretch. They went in different directions, and that's interesting. Now, Tucker has no fantasy value really whatsoever, but uh, it's just interesting that they just went away from him in a close game, knowing how good he is defensively. Eric Gordon is going to move to the bench when John Wall returns, and he might return even sooner. Uh, they They were considering starting Mason Jones over Eric Gordon, so they could use Gordon more in that second unit. So that's something to watch if you want to get in on Mason Jones at all. While Sterling Brown, who did have 12-team value for a little bit of time, he had four points in 21 minutes, and that 12-team value has evaporated. Evaporated, that is the correct word. On to the next game we go. Uh, a real blowout, one of, the, one of the two blowouts here to end the day. The Clippers win 115-96 over the Sacramento Kings. Only 25 minutes for Tyrese Halliburton. Luke Walton is a terrible coach. Halliburton was always going to drop off because he was shooting like 55% on his threes or something crazy like that. But to play him only 25 minutes is pretty troubling. 11 points with three threes, only two assists. He is still a hold, but those top 50 numbers that he was putting up, they, they were always going to have some struggles to be able to continue because of that shooting. And he is feeling at the moment, even though he should be playing an extra five to six minutes per night. If we want to really talk about who the Kings' uh, best lineup is, then you, know, you have to include Halliburton in that discussion. And unfortunately, that isn't what happened here. Fox had 25 with seven assists. Holmes had eight, seven, and four. Not a great night there. While Marvin Bagley, 29 minutes, 10 and eight. Yes, thoroughly average from Bagley. I don't believe he's a must-roster 12-team league player. While the pencil, Harrison Barnes. Barnesy. Five points in 32 minutes. Maybe he's not that good. He started off this season, the first nine or so games. Man, he was fantastic, putting up numbers. 83rd-ranked player this year. But we are seeing the old Harrison Barnes reappear. And you added him, and now do you drop him? I reckon you're getting pretty close. So I wouldn't say he's a must-drop yet, but it's pretty damn close to it at this stage. For the Clippers, the fun guy, Kawhi Leonard. I'm a fun guy. <laughs> <laughs> 32 points, 5 assists, 6 deals, just an absolute massive performance, while Paul George also continued his great run, 19-7-12 and 12 with a pair of blocks, and Nick Batum chipped in with 11 points, 3 threes, and 3 steals, just holding on to back-end 12-team league value. Nice double-double from Ibaka, no, sorry, from Zubats with 11-12, and 12. Ibaka had 8-6, and six. they split the minutes, but realistically, this game was over so quickly that you know, we just saw you know, 26 minutes for you know, Marcus Morris, 20 26 minutes for Nick Batum, 14 minutes for Lou Williams. We got a lot of garbage time in this one. The Clippers guys are rolling. They're looking like probably you know, close to the best team in the NBA, up there with the Lakers uh, for, for sure at this point. Let's go on to the last game of the night. It was the Golden State Warriors easily defeating the San Antonio Spurs. Let's start with LaMarcus Aldridge. He looked terrible again. 23 minutes, 4 points, 3 rebounds, 2 of 8 from the field. How does a bloke go from being as good as he was last year to being just utter trash this year? It's it's pretty frustrating. Is he someone that we hold on to? 
it, it's it's so hard to look at Lamarcus Aldridge and go, yeah, he's a guy to drop. But the numbers would tell you that he is. He's the 157th ranked player this year. He is struggling a lot. Now, I think in a 12-team, I'd probably still hold. It depends on the quality of player that's on my waiver wire. In a 10-team league, I reckon I move on because he's 34-35. It's not just, maybe it's not just a marginal or a temporary dip in form. Maybe he's just cooked and maybe the shoulder surgery just screwed him up and he's just bad now. That, that, there's a real possibility of that. I, I'm not ready to drop him in every situation, but it looks pretty bad. 15 points for DeRozan in 25 minutes. Murray had 22 and 6. A lot of people asking whether they should drop Keldon Johnson. He ended up being 2 of 12 for 12 points, 8 rebounds, and 3 assists. No, I am not in anywhere near close to dropping Keldon Johnson. While 25 minutes for Jakob Pertl, 10 and 5, not much else there. A solid enough 14-team league guy, I think. Let's. I don't think Popovich, again, he's going to make the move and say, Aldridge, you're, just, you're playing 18 a night and coming off the bench and Pirtle's playing 30. I don't think that's happening. But Pirtle can be an interesting stream guy. Lonnie Walker, please get rid of him in 12-team leagues. There's no need for it whatsoever. While uh, DeJounte Murray had 22 and 6, really the only bright spot for this Spurs team. For the Warriors, Curry was great, 26 and 11 with 7 assists. And I reckon Oubre's slump is sort of over. 16 and 9, two threes, two steals and a block. Now, he didn't shoot well, but he is just still getting big, big numbers in terms of counting stats, and that's great. Great game from James Wiseman. He made um, Aldridge look silly. 25 minutes, 20 points, 6 rebounds. No blocks, no threes, so not the greatest fantasy night, but efficiency through the roof and looking a bit better. I I still find it hard to have him as a must-roster 12-team league guy, but this was encouraging. While Draymond had 9 points and 6 assists, which isn't great, and still can't block any shots. 10 games in, 2 blocks. I'd like him to do a little bit more in that area. Jordan Poole also looked pretty good while the triangle Eric Pascal really hard to trust his uh, bench scoring, um, yeah, only a deeper league sort of player. But he has been effective in that role. It just wasn't a big performance from him here in this one. All right, let's go have a look at the top ads over the last 24 hours. Rocket Rodney Hood up 33% because of his uh, CJ McCollum's diagnosis and Hood's... Um, now, starting role, I don't think that he's a must-roster guy, but he's fine if you want to take a, a stab at it. Marcus Morris at plus 17%. That's too much for 12-team leagues. Pirtle at 14% up. Yeah, yeah it's, it's high, um, but he's playing well over the last three games. Xavier Tillman up 12%. Unfortunately, the Grizzlies game was postponed today, so we didn't get to see Tillman in action. And Jared Vanderbilt up 12%. Vanderbilt's fine as a short-term guy, as is Tillman, but they're probably not going to be long-term guys that we hold on to in 12-team formats. In terms of drops, Hamadou Diallo's down 12. Makes sense. Willie Cauley-Stein down 11. Absolutely a drop. Precious Archua down 9%. I don't know why he was still rostered. He's gone. Dillon Wright down 9%. Yeah, I think he probably is a drop, um, but his assists and steals can be valuable for the right spot, while Nikhil Alexander-Walker's down 8%. And I think that while while he is someone that I absolutely would be rostering for Thursday because there's limited games on, I think his long-term 12-team league value probably isn't there. Let's have a look at the monstrous line of the night. It is Kevin Durant. 38 points for Durant, 12 rebounds and 8 assists. Huge numbers for Durant in the first game with Durant, Harden and Irving playing together. Will he maintain 8 assists? He definitely won't play double overtime games every day. He had played 50 minutes in this one. Durant is the number 2 ranked player in fantasy so far this season, averaging 31, 7.5 and 6 with 53 and 87, which is a true shooting of 67%. The last time Kevin Durant had a true shooting of 67% was never. 
He's at a career high numbers. He's shooting 47% from three. It is going to come down. He will not remain a 47% three point shooter, but he is putting up absolute monster, monster numbers at the moment. Just dominating everywhere you look. And it really is, it's joyous. It's joyous to see him playing at this sort of level. Uh, I love it. I couldn't, um, could not love it any uh, anymore. It's it's fantastic to see a guy coming back from that sort of injury playing at that level in the NBA. The rookie of the night is Jaden McDaniels. Twelve points, eight rebounds, three blocks for McDaniels. This is really only his uh, only real game of note. He did have two steals and a block back in the twenty seventh of December against the Lakers, but really played well here. Got minutes down the stretch. It's you know, more the opportunities there because Towns and uh, Hernan Gomez are out. But I wouldn't be banking on him being a regular uh, as we move forward every night. But it was encouraging to see, absolutely no doubt. Let's move across and talk DFS for Thursday now. All right, so the first game we look at here, the Lakers and the Bucks. The Bucks are one-point favorites, and the total is 228. I like the big ragu a little bit here, 4,400 for Dante DiVincenzo, but he has been underperforming, averaging under 21 over the last five, so don't go crazy on it. LeBron's at 9-5. He's listed as questionable, but of course, that just means he, was, he plays. I like that. He should be a 50-plus in this one. Brooke Lopez at 53 is getting a ton of minutes and pr- producing pretty well. Uh, he's averaging also 39 points the last three times out against the Lakers. I love him at 5,300. I like Yanni at 11.3, but I prefer Anthony Davis at 10,000. Just saving that bit of money. While the 8,000 for Middleton probably is on a bit on the high side, as is the 7,600 for Drew Holiday. Not interested in Dennis Schroeder, really, or Montrez Harrell. Um, I could be talked into KCP at 4,000, but you'd have to be pretty persuasive to be able to talk me into that. The second game we take a look at here. The Pelicans and the Jazz. The Jazz, six and a half point favorites after they demolished them on Wednesday. The total, 217 and a half. Steve Adams is at 5,200 because he's been underperforming. Now, it is a tough matchup against Gobert, but yeah, he was 20 points the last game. Prior to that, he'd put up some big numbers as a member of the Thunder, averaging 32 the last three times out. I don't mind him at that price. I do like Gobert at 8,500, and I, I don't mind Boyan as a flyer at $5,000. Ingram's at 82, so good that he's come down, but he's been underproducing. I think he's worth a GPP look, but not for cash. Well, Don Mitchell at 8,200 is on the high side. I like Zion at 8,000. He's lower score, Zion, in his last, in his last uh, what, five games is 37 which is an absolute monster uh, floor, which we love. So we, we're feeling pretty good about Alexander Walker. Uh, sorry, not Alexander Walker, about Zion. Alexander Walker at 5,000. He played the last 16 minutes of last game, and I think that's probably because of the blowout. So I wouldn't be reading too much into the 25 Fangio points and the 31 minutes that he did get in that contest. It feels like it's a little bit game-specific rather than rotation-consistent. Uh, last game is the Knicks and the Warriors. James Wiseman is down to 4,400. Only for tournaments where I look at him. And Draymond Green, similarly. I can't really get behind him in cash. Mitch Robinson's at 56. Yeah, maybe. Ubre at 56, I like. Uh, I worry about the guards, though, with the Knicks. With Burks, Payton. Burks returning. Payton quickly. Bullock. How do those minutes go? So steering clear of Alfred Payton would be a good idea. Using Burks would be interesting if he wasn't 5,800. And I think Rowan Barrett at 6,700 is worth a look, especially for tournaments, but he can be used in all formats. The 9,000 for Julius Randles may be on the high side, but I don't think that it's a complete disaster of a price tag. There's your quick, brief overview of the games for... um, Thursday in the NBA, just the three of them. Don't forget, though, subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on YouTube. Leave a comment, give a thumbs up, 
drop it down below and leave a review on Apple Podcasts, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. <laughs>